protests continue in Hong Kong. How will the rest of the world view what's happening there? Let's bring in Vincent Wong. He is a human rights fellow at Columbia Law School and is on the line with us now. Vincent, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, Scott. Uh, is that basically the situation here, an extradition law that now, instead of uh, being tried within the system uh, that is Hong Kong, move, being moved to uh, mainland China? Is that is that the, the, the center of this controversy? Yeah, so, so actually, the I mean, uh, to clarify it a little bit, it's actually worse than that. It's more so that um, it's an ex- allows case-by-case extradition to China, but what the issue is is prosecution under Chinese criminal law. So um, it, it would basically allow anybody who is uh, basically said to have committed offense under Chinese criminal law to be, um, if they, they are in Hong Kong, to be extradited. And the problem, an additional problem to that is that the criminal law of the PRC, Article 8, actually allows extraterritorial application of Chinese criminal law. So, so including for people in Hong Kong, even if you're a foreigner or you're a tourist or you're a visitor passing through Hong Kong, there is that jurisdiction now for China to make the applica- application to request your extradition. And this all part of a general feeling from those in Hong Kong that China is overstepping its bounds and gradually trying to tighten its control around Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly right. And it's, it's not a new phenomenon, but this will essentially, a lot of people feel, spell the end of one country, two systems principle. Anything, uh, you know, Hong Kong has really pr- prided itself on an independent judiciary of rule of law, of um, strong human rights kind of track record. And this is kind of a backdoor in which the Chinese government is able to essentially uh, dissolve all of that. And that's why for Hong Kong people, it's really all hands on deck. If this thing passes, then it really does spell the end of Hong Kong as we know it. That was my next question. What does it say when China is going in this direction, even though there's the protesting we're seeing? Is it just not a matter of time before they control Hong Kong? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. and, And there is, you know, so much internal debate among, you know, Hong Kong people of, what do we do, right? I mean, you have you want to protect your home, the, the, the things that you hold dear. And on June 9th, on Sunday, uh, as you might know from the news, it's estimated that over a million people came out to protest peacefully and demonstrate their opposition against the bill. I mean, that's, you know, one in seven of all people, uh, you know, to, to think about what that looks like, you know, maybe in, in Toronto, for example, you can imagine 500,000 people uh, protesting against one bill, mm-hmm. uh, you know, flooding downtown Toronto, and the government still doesn't care, right? They, they don't care, uh, and it just shows how, who the government of Hong Kong is accountable to, and it is not accountable to the people. And, you know, what, what we've happened here as, you know, as we slept and, and has happened in Hong Kong is um, not surprisingly if there is no kind of democratic safety valve in which to resist uh, a really horrendous law like this, then the protest is going to ex- uh, escalate. And, you know, we've seen 
police, you know, tear gassing people, shooting into crowds, mm. um, you know, it's, it's going to escalate into violence. And that's exactly what the, the Hong Kong government has forced the people is, uh, into. Is this going to be another Tiananmen Square? Um, I don't think so. I do think that uh, the Hong Kong police does believe that it has, you know, what it takes, I guess, if you can put it in that perspective, to essentially put down um, any uh, resistance with their riot gear, um, you know, with, with their uh, pellet, pellet shotguns, um, I'm sorry, the beanbag shotguns and rubber bullets, and, and with their tear gas and, and water cannons. So I don't expect that the, the, the People's Liberation Army will be called in, but uh, that's all, always at the back of people's minds. How is China responding to the protesters? Are they listening at all? Um, and are they concerned about how the rest of the world is viewing this, considering where China is with Canada and the detainees and so on and so forth? Uh, obviously, China was at one time many thought was softening as its stance. That doesn't seem to be the case now. How do you think the rest of the world's going to view this if, if China strong arms Hong Kong? Right. I mean, uh, as you said, you made some very good points there in terms of um, there was a view uh, prior to President Xi's administration, and I think it was a reasonable view that uh, China was softening uh, its approach. Um, it, it, it was making some strides, some positive strides in terms of the rule of law, uh, uh, and, and that has really gone the opposite way uh, since uh, President Xi has come into power in 2012. And the way that it's treated Hong Kong, I mean, um, you know, President Xi is really doubling down on total control of information uh, and and kind of the the domestic crackdown of human rights defenders so that there can be no internal dissent. And so um, what that means uh, in terms of international kind of pressure is, you know, like my view of it is they don't care too much about international pressure as long as their own people um, are not aware of it and then therefore they cannot resist uh, or, or provide, you know, domestic resistance. So uh, they they don't really care um, that much yeah. about what uh, the international media or what other countries think. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, at least for Hong Kong people, um, that, 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 you know, we need the international community. We need the international mm. media. And that so- is the only way that the long-term fight uh, it can be one. So, Vincent, where do you think this is going? Uh, I mean, who blinks here? I, I mean, this is going to go one of two ways. Either they suppress it or it increases in size. What happens? I mean, that's a, that's a great question. Um, it's, it's, such a, it's different from 2014, uh, the Umbrella Movement, because in, in that um, kind of showdown, there was, it was based off of hope, right? It was based off of hope that we could secure, mm. the people of Hong Kong could secure, uh, uh, you know, a, a government that was at least in part democratically accountable to them. The government and, and project Beijing uh, forces in the government basically waited them out. And then now you have this uh, escalation, which is much more defensive, which feels much less hopeful, but because it is really the final a stand in terms of rule of law, in terms of civil and political rights in Hong Kong, 
people, I think, feel the need to do something to uh, to resist. Um, and, you know, where that is this goes, a tipping point? Does, do you think this is a tipping point, Vincent? Do you think this is a turning point? I think it is a turning point, And you're seeing if you look at the footage, I mean, it's basically young people, very young people, um, you know, like in their late teens, 20s, 30s that are really at the the vanguard of this thing. It doesn't have a very centered leadership. Uh, people are very um, cognizant of protecting their identities uh, because they know what's coming. Uh, and they, they've learned the lessons from 2014. And they, you know, essentially want the government to withdraw this bill. You mentioned that, you know, who blinks first? I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's so hard for the government now, you know, to, they've strong-armed this bill through, uh, and they're trying to get a vote on it, uh, I believe, in, by the, in, in basically a week. And um, it, it, it's so hard for them to back out now, because backing out would mean admitting yeah. that China has, uh, you know, an unfair legal system, that they don't have the independence of judiciary, they don't have a good human rights record, admitting all of those things. And, um, you know, that's going to be a very hard uh, pill for, for Carrie Lam, uh, the chief, chief executive, and, and her people to swallow. Vincent Wong has been with us, human rights fellow at Columbia Law School, Columbia University. Vincent, thank you so much for, this, for the uh, time and insight. Much appreciated. Thank you so much, Scott. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.